Is anybody else tired? I mean, tired from the ordinary things, tired from less than a good night's sleep, tired from shoveling, tired from the cold, tired from work or tired from looking for work, tired of the pandemic, tired of distance everything, tired, just tired. What do we do when we're tired? How do we find strength to keep going? Because it's never quite as simple as we wish it was, right? To simply go into a zone of prayer from which we recite something perfectly memorized and beautifully written, and then poof, our energy bar is back at 100%. Sometimes it works like that, but sometimes we are still tired. Sometimes we are exhausted. Did you hear that word in our readings today? Exhaustion. People who are just worn out. I know that feeling every now and then, and I don't think I'm alone in that. But in our scripture stories, we have a few other snapshots of what to do when we're exhausted. Because just as there isn't one perfect prayer that will fix it, there isn't always the exact same kind of solution that can fill us back up. But there are a few ideas scattered throughout scripture and particularly found in the four lessons we heard from today. First in Isaiah 40, where the prophet looks at creation. Look around. Look at the sky stretched out like a curtain. Look at the grasshoppers. Look at the tumbleweeds. Look at the ocean depths. And for a lot of us, getting outside, getting out into creation is a way to refill our energy. Not always when it's a task at hand, like shoveling again, but when we get to really go outside and enjoy it. If we have good Minnesota winter gear and we can go enjoy the frozen lakes, watch the luminary loppet, or just enjoy a sunrise or a sunset when it's so cold that the sky is brilliantly clear of clouds and all you can see are the fantastic colors of the light and dark coming together. Or we might be thinking about creation to come when spring dawns and things are warm, when summer comes and things are open. Creation, suggests the prophet, is one way to refill ourselves when we are exhausted. In the Psalms, we hear a callback to story. The psalmist talks about remembering what God has done. See how God has helped the oppressed, has lifted up the powerless. Sometimes to refill our energy when we are exhausted, we tell stories about what has happened before. Because those stories give us encouragement and hope. If it has happened in the past and people overcame it, maybe I can too. Sometimes these are inspirational stories about people we've never met. Sometimes they're stories of family or historical figures. Sometimes they're stories about how we made it through 
when we faced the same kind of exhaustion last week, last month, last year, a decade ago. Sometimes we tell ourselves stories to remind ourselves that the exhaustion is just the midpoint. It's not the conclusion. In Paul's letter today, the ninth chapter of the first letter to the church in Corinth, he talks about feeling like a shattered jar or like a jar on the edge of shattering. We're just temporary vessels for the glory of God. We are pressed, but we're not crushed. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Something still holds on, even when it feels like we are these tender, breakable ceramics. Paul is just telling the truth about how tired he is, about how much struggle he has faced in his proclamation of the good news of Jesus. And maybe sometimes that's what we need to do to refill our own energy is just to be honest with someone about how gosh darn tired we are. Not because we're looking for that person to give us a perfect solution or that we're looking for, you know, pity, but just so that we know somebody else hears and sees and witnesses us. Sometimes we just need to tell the truth. I'm really stinking tired. And sometimes just saying it out loud helps ease some of the exhaustion. And then there's Jesus working his way through these little towns in the Gospel of Mark and spreading the good news of the kingdom come near. Casting out evil spirits, healing the sick, raising up Peter's mother-in-law. There is this moment when he meets someone who can't even speak for herself and how sick and tired she is. It's someone else who speaks up. Maybe that's part of it too. Sometimes we need to let someone else ask for our help because we're just too tired. Sometimes we need that good family member or friend who can say, I notice that this person is worn out. There's this tricky part in the story, in the midst of all of Jesus's healings and teachings and miracle work, in the midst of about to go, Jesus about to go out to other towns and preach and teach, where Jesus meets Peter's mother-in-law and raises her up from her sickbed and she immediately begins to serve Jesus, Peter, Andrew, and the rest of those who are gathered at the house. And in some interpretations of this story, we cast it as Peter's mother-in-law so full of gratitude for the healing that she has received that she immediately begins up and gets to work cooking food for everyone in the house. And it's so beautiful. And it can also be a little grating when it feels like, hey, she just got off her deathbed. Give the woman a rest. Let her put up her feet. Peter, for Pete's sakes, you're a fisherman. You should at least know how to catch and cut and clean one and fry it up. You feed everybody for once. Give this poor mother-in-law a break. 
sometimes the ways that we picture women acting in the Bible assume that their best or only role is providing food. We see the same thing happen in the story of Martha and Mary in the Gospel of Luke, when Mary is sitting at Jesus's feet and Martha is running around distracted by all of the service work she needs to do, all the serving she has at hand. And the interesting thing is that word serve. Because in Greek, it means a whole host of things. It can mean laying out food. It happens when Jesus defies the devil in the desert and the devil leaves him and then, Jesus, then angels come and wait on him. Angels came and served him. Maybe they brought this fasting Jesus food. But also, we see it show up in stories that Jesus tells about himself. He says at one point in the Gospels, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Well, we don't think he's talking about food there, or at least not only food. Jesus certainly serves up food in some of the stories, but I don't think that's the only thing he's talking about when he says the Son of Man came to serve. He doesn't just mean serve a meal. He means all the work he's up to in today's story, healing the sick, casting out demons, going from town to town, proclaiming the good news. We see it also in Paul describing his own mission in heading from Rome uh, after he's describing in the letter to the Romans, he describes heading to Jerusalem to serve the saints. Now, Paul was by trade a tent maker. I don't think we want him cooking anything up for the church in Jerusalem. Serve so often gets interpreted when it's a woman who is doing it as something to do with food, but there are a whole host of other ways that it might mean how we care for the people around us. It might not just be to wait on them hand and foot or to serve them at the table. In fact, the word serve in Greek in these cases is diakono, which is where we get the word deacon, a special role of service in the church, but not of serving at tables or whipping up a meal, serving as a minister, a faithful proclaimer of the gospel. So it can mean to whip up food, but it does not only mean to throw together a hot dish. There are a multitude of ways in which the way that God interacts in our lives helps us serve others. But it's hard to think about serving others when we are exhausted. So we start there today, at that point of exhaustion. I invite you to close your eyes. Don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. I'll be right here. You'll still be able to hear me. I invite you to close your eyes and think of something in creation that might have inspired the kind of poetry that the prophet Isaiah casts in his story today, in Isaiah chapter 40. I want you to imagine some part of creation that means something to you. It could be a crisp winter morning. It could be a beautiful beach far from Minnesota. It could be a deep, shadowy woods. Just something that you can imagine. Imagine what it looks like what the ground looks like. 
if there are shadows that are long or short, if there are leaves close up or a wide stretching sky. Imagine if there are animals running around, making noise, but gently moving through the space. What can you hear in this? Is there water dripping or crashing on the shore, falling down a waterfall, rainfalls pattering through the leaves? Can you hear birdsong? Are there other people with you? What do you sense when you're there? What does it feel like? What do your feet feel like as you walk? Are you laying down or sitting or standing or hiking or swimming or climbing? Can you smell anything? Fresh rain, dusty sand, fresh salt water. Take a deep breath as you imagine it. Breathing in and out with the spirit that made creation through God's work. Let yourself rest a little bit in that imagination of that created place. As you're sitting or standing or climbing or sunning yourself on the beach or wherever you're doing in this creation, take a moment to think through, when have you been tired before? Or who in your family history or in the heroes that have meant something to you in fiction or in reality? Those characters that are larger than life, even though they were real, or the people who have meant something to you in novels and stories that you've read, when were they tired? And then what happened? When were you tired? And then what happened? Tiredness is only a comma, only a chapter, never the conclusion. Then, in the pattern of Paul, what do you need to be honest about? Are you tired? Are you bored? Are you sick? Are you worried? Are you overwhelmed? Are you irritated? Are you feeling just sort of empty? Any of those are real and human and normal emotions, especially after everything that we as a country and we as individuals in that country have been through. So be honest with yourself. Where are your feelings at? Is there someone you can tell about it? Maybe you just tell yourself, maybe you just speak it out loud now and let yourself hear your words echoed back in your ears. And even just that is enough honesty. Or maybe you tell a friend or someone with you right now who's family or friend. Maybe you text or Facebook message or pick up the phone and let somebody know a little later now, stick with me for another minute, how you're feeling. Not because you need them to fix it, not because you need pity, but just 
just because you need to feel real and hard emotions are real too. And then, then when you have breathed in that place in creation, when you have thought through stories of how tiredness was not the end before, when you have been honest about how you are feeling, who near you is in need that you could help? Is there someone you can just reach out to with a word of gratitude or encouragement? Maybe if you know someone's going through a hard time, offer to listen. Do you want to make food for someone? Maybe it's just offering financial support to an organization you care about that you know does good work. Send them an extra five bucks today. When we're tired, it's hard. It's hard to reconnect with our emotions. It's hard to reset ourselves. It's hard to remember to care about other people in a way that is sustainable for us. So, the rest of this week, when you're tired, go back to that place in creation that you can imagine. Tell yourself the story of how tiredness is not the end. Speak the truth about how you're feeling and then look for a one small place where you can be of help to someone else. Amen. <laughs>